and this is for the teachers out there, is that you cannot be everything to everyone. But you can be remarkable to someone. And teach what works for you. And one of the things I say a lot to anyone that reaches out to me and they thank me just for pointing out some truth, you know, that we just need to remind each other is that we're all here to teach each other. Really, we're all here to teach each other and to share what we figured out so far. I think the challenge comes for all of us is how do we teach what works in a way that works? This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hey you guys, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today, we're doing it a little bit differently. I feel like I say that kind of a lot and it's very fair because each time is a little bit different. So with me today, I have someone who has very quickly become one of my favorite people on Instagram to follow. She's actually been in the movement world for 35 years And if you follow her now on Instagram, it's a lot of yoga stuff, which is amazing. We'll talk about it. But in a past life, she was a strength coach, a best-selling author. She's done a bunch of things. But we're going to talk about what's going on right now. So without further ado, welcome to the show, my new very good friend and honestly longtime sister from another mister, Winnie Lingovic. Winnie, thank you for hopping on. Oh, we're definitely sisters from another mister. I mean, is a given like, dude, just real, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Dr. Laura, I'm going to shout you out because I know you're listening to this and anyone who knows Dr. Laura, shout out to you guys too. But Dr. Laura is actually how I found uh, Winnie. Uh, so there's a connection there. She's one of Winnie's students. And I was like, holy smokes, what has taken me so long? So Dr. Laura, thank you. But let me pass the mic back on over to Winnie and let's talk about now, Winnie. What do you got? Well, I have this yoga studio that's not a yoga studio in Northern California, and it's a pop-up yoga studio, and that's where I met your Dr. Laura, who just shows up one day, and she's part of these, by the way, this crew that goes and swimming in the Pacific Ocean at 6 a.m., so just my type of student. And I teach yoga in a pop-up yoga studio, and the reason why I say it's not a yoga studio is that it's a learning center. Talk a little louder for me there, because I already know I'm going to have a tough time hearing you, but talk a little louder for me and tell me why it's not a, uh, what do you mean by learning center? Well, you know, I, I taught in yoga studios and I actually enjoyed teaching in yoga studios, but the yoga studio model wasn't working for me because the yoga studio model, it's kind of like the old days of fitness classes. It's like, come in, unwind, enjoy yourself and then go home. And the, and what I was doing was that I was teaching, I was educating. And I didn't need to have like dim lights and incense and bolsters and to, you know, I love that. That's great. It just was not what I was doing. So I decided to leave the yoga studio and that yoga studio model and open up a learning center. So when you come to the Elevate practice, it's, you know, the lights are on, you know, I have a whiteboard up, 
We do lots, yes. we do tons of demonstrations. We do tons of discussions, lots of questions. So it's not a yoga studio as much as a, a learning center. And as long as you know that going in and you're not expecting to like lie down and hear like, you know, new age music and incense and get your feet rubbed and everything, it's a good experience. Whitney, where are you from with this accent? I oh my ask. goodness, New York City. And I have been on the West Coast for 13 years and I will never lose it. People see me coming, they're like, whoa, that's a New Yorker. It's so New York. How has that been bringing in the New York to the yoga world, the yoga space? Well, you know, it was interesting because when I was in New York, because I was already teaching, I had, I had kind of, you know, morphed into more of a yoga teaching than a trainer when I was in New York. Everyone was like, oh, my goodness, you know, you're calming down a little bit. And then I come here and we move here and – um I say to my wife, they're not, no one's calling me back. No one's calling me back. Why aren't they calling me back? And she said, Winnie, this is the West Coast now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just emailed them. So I'm still a little bit intense, but I think that intensity helps with what I do. Because I take what I do very, very seriously, which is probably why I laugh and all my students laugh in our classes. I actually love that you said that. I'm looking at the, so Winnie is very New York. Uh, and sent me a fact sheet before. So she's very New York, but also very Winnie, which is what I love. Like, take this style, but then also have, you know, put your your own mark on it. So she didn't send me a bio. She sent me a fact sheet. And the last part of it says, I take my practice and teaching seriously. So I have no need to act serious. And I love that you said that, about laughing in class and, and making the most of it. How has that been from like the business side of this is a very different model. Like it's yeah. not easy to do things that are different. I yeah. think it's the best way to go about things, but it's it's not easy. How has that been? Well, I think that you need to be really confident in what you're yeah. teaching and why. And what happens a lot when, and I think this is for the fitness industry too, is that when you're first learning, you tend to imitate the people that you mm -hmm. look up to. And yeah. then as you start to, you know, get a little bit better at it, you start to integrate your own voice, your own work. And then when you, you know, you get a couple of years in a lot of experience, a lot of just like knowing what works and how it works and how to teach it in a way that works, you can innovate. So you need to be more confident or you need to be confident about what you do to be able to say, oh, this is funny. And I, and you know, I have a bunch of really yeah. serious students hanging around and we're doing some really serious work, but we can laugh instead of you know, putting on a yoga face. And I think that when, when a lot of yoga teachers, they first start, they think they're supposed to act a certain way because their mentors or their teachers act a certain mm -hmm. way. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Because you wrote here, when someone asks you about doing a yoga teacher training program, what do you usually say to them? <laughs> I, usually, I usually say don't do it because what happens is that people come to a yoga class and not even my yoga class, but any yoga class, and they fall in love with it. And they want more of it. And then if they're in kind of like the yoga studio model, you know, they, they see all these flyers, all these advertisements and commercials to take a 200-hour yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And because they love yoga so much, they dive right into the, the nearest yoga teacher training. But the thing is, is they probably love yoga so much because of the original teacher or class that they took. Mm -hmm. And then they go mm -hmm. and they sign up because that's what's available because they're only available on weekends and that's what works for their budget. Or, you know, they think they're supposed to go with this mm -hmm. name studio. And then all of a sudden what they first liked about taking a yoga class has nothing to do with going every weekend and learning Sanskrit and learning all these things that 
they supposedly trained you to be a yoga teacher. So usually, yeah. if a student asks me, should I do a, a, a yoga teacher training, and then they're a newer student, I say, come study with me for a year. Instead of spending all that money and time in, you know, in four weekends or eight weekends or whatever it is these days, come once or twice a week, or if they're a little bit um, less local, once a month for a year, and get to know the practice. And then after a year, you'll be able to make a better decision about what kind of training you want to do. And I will know you better. And I might say to you, go to massage school or become a PT. Mm. Or better mm. yet, I, I have this fabulous student and she's a nurse and she loves yoga so much. And I'm like, just keep coming to class. Come to every workshop. And then I recommend a couple of other teachers. Like I've sent, I'm sending her to, to see Carrie Orko in a couple of months. Oh, yes, yes. And then you don't even need to take a yoga teacher training. You can take your nursing. And you can take your time studying with me and a few other teachers and make your own thing. Because when she's in the hospital and she's teaching her students, no one's saying, hey, did you do a 200-hour uh, yoga teacher training with the local studio? They just want to practice. Yeah. Ah. Would you say that what you teach is yoga? That's a, um, a good question. So usually when people say to me, what kind of yoga do you teach? Because I've been mm -hmm. trained in many different kinds, and because I come to yoga as a, a strength coach, I always say, and again, because you know I'm old and I can say whatever I want, and I don't write, I say, I teach what works. I teach what works. And if they get really, really, you know, if it's another yoga teacher and she says, well, I recognize some Katona yoga or some Iyengar yoga or some Ashtanga yoga, I say, yeah, I took all of that. I'm trained in all of that. And I totally took what worked and I made it my own. And that, and I think, again, that takes time and confidence to say uh, and not to feel like, oh, I need to fit into this model of what a yoga teacher teaches or what a yoga teacher is supposed to offer. Man, I love that. I want to keep going with that in terms of teaching and confidence. Yes. Can you talk to me about capitalizing words? Capitalizing what? Words. Word. So a big thing that a big to you guys listening, this is a podcast, I get it's yeah. audio. One of the things that Winnie does so well is she and this is actually I decided to caption my videos because of oh, Winnie. Okay. She was actually the person that inspired me to do it. And one of the things that Winnie Winnie does so well with her captions uh, is capitalizing certain words oh. for emphasis. Can you talk to me about that, your thought process, just sure. you know, how you pick words? I think it just echoes so much of what you do. Well, yes. And I just, first of all, I just love making my videos. And I think the best part about making the videos is like, I don't make the videos to get students. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. that I'm saying the wrong thing because, but I already have, I, you know, I, of course, my wife's like, yes, we need a million more students because we'd like another house. But I really, I really have locally in the Bay Area, I, I don't need to try and get students. So I, I tell the truth. And when I caption my videos, I, I listen to the way I speak and where I pause. And that's how I capitalize it. Because as you know, you can't put emojis in the captions, at least the ones the yeah. that we use. And there's a lot of power in the pause. Just like, especially I'm speaking to the newer yoga teachers here, there's a lot of power in giving an instruction and just waiting and not carpet bombing your students with everything you just learned in teacher training or everything you just learned 
in the last workshop. So what I do when I write is I think about what I want to emphasize and where I want the white space to be. And and here's a great thing that I learned in graduate school is that if you want to write a shorter paper or a shorter report or a shorter research um, thesis, you need more time because it's in the editing. And as I edit, and the editing is where it's at, the editing is where it's at, I take away the words that are not necessary so that the words that are necessary are actually seen. If you want to get teaching and teach a movement like a backbend or a split or any of the fabulous work um, that the progressive, and I call you and Dr. Laura and all you and your whole crew progressive physical therapists do, say less. Don't say everything. And then if you, if you have less words, it's easier to capitalize. Like even if you Good. transcribe this this podcast, you'll know what to capitalize. It's so good. It's so good. Can you keep going with that? Because uh-huh. this is actually something I was talking about the other day with a good friend of mine in terms of saying less and teaching. It is so hard. It is hard. When you come out with a course to cut it down. It's easy. You can I can make a week-long course. Yes. That's easy. Yes. To make a two-hour course, you're like, oh, my God, what's well, important? Yeah. Do you have any yes. suggestions on, like, how do you do this? Well, you know, there's a, there's a great quote by the great coach, John Wooden. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters what they learn. Like, for example, um, for the last two weeks, my the, the local crew, I'm introducing these fabulous bands, and, and it's called band work, and I'm actually having online class coming up in it. And I, you know, I'm so excited. And this is a crew of, you know, hardcore, fabulous people. And most of them are over 40, if not 50. And they're surfers and doctors and moms. And I just want to teach them everything about the band because it's this new prop. And they're like, oh my goodness, something else, another toy. And she's so excited. But I'm, I got to hold back. So I actually write out my lesson plans and I say for this, for this first two weeks, this is all I'm teaching. And I'm, I'm only letting myself teach this. And I give myself a boundary. And I think that when teaching, whether it's an online course or a class or a workshop, you've got to give yourself boundaries. And remember, you don't need to show off all the things you know. And it's not even, you know, and I think so many of your tribe, it's not even about showing off. It's like you want to give it, mm-hmm. you want to give them everything. And, yeah, totally. and, and you just got to hold back. And a great example is about, about 15 years ago, because I've been doing this so long. I remember I came home from teaching a workshop. It was a three-hour workshop. And I... It was at a studio I really wanted to teach at with some really great teachers. And I was exhausted. And I'm lying there on the couch and I want to email everyone. My wife comes over to me and she said, you, this exhausts you. She says, you cannot teach 20 years of what you know in three hours. Stop trying. And ever since she said that, when I plan a workshop, when I plan an online course, when I plan even the local curriculum for these badass people that I teach, I got to remember, you know, you don't have to teach, you know, one year of what you've learned in one day. And you've got to take the time because remember, 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 it's not what you know. It's what they've learned. And the way they're going to learn it is in small, digestible chunks. So good. I'm going to keep going with this and I'm pulling from the thing you sent me. Tell me why then. It ties into this course. You treat every student like a teacher and every class yes. like a teacher training class. Every class, and I, I think that also ties into like why a lot of people want to go to a teacher training. They want to dissect the poses. They want to understand the why behind 
what they're doing. And the way I feel about it is, is that we are all teachers and we need to learn how to teach ourselves. And even if you never teach anyone else, you need to teach yourself. And the way that you do that yeah. is by understanding the why behind what you're doing and to give your students who are like full fledged, awesome human beings, the respect that they're able to teach themselves. And all of a sudden everyone becomes excited the way that, you know, the teachers that are in teacher training are excited because they can figure out things for themselves. And the most important thing I think is not necessarily teaching a bunch of rules, even though there are some pretty good rules out there, but to think, but to be able to adapt your practice, because even if you consider yourself, Oh, I need to find out everything there is to, to find out for someone with a low back issue or for an older person or a pregnant person, your life and your body is going to change. Heck my, my, my poses and my practice changes day to day, depending on how much coffee I had, right? So, which, so when I teach the student, I really treat, treat them like a teacher. And I have them think. And often I'll ask a question like, we're in the middle of something pretty difficult. And, I'm, and, I'm gonna, and I say something like, how would you make this easier? Don't, don't say it out loud. Just think about it. And usually it's, you know, using an extra brick or taking away a brick or, I mean, there's a million things that you can do, mm-hmm. but teaching mm-hmm. people how to think for themselves is missing in a lot of the yes. classes and, yes. and in, in all the industries yes. because you think, oh, well, then they're not going to need me anymore. Actually be confident enough in your teaching that if your students know more, they'll know how valuable you are. And, and if they move on, that's also awesome. Because they need to learn other things. Winnie, that was so good. But it's so true. Teaching. Wow. Like, that is like so... what you're doing is you're teaching a lot of your people from where I stand um, how to run their own businesses and how to really, you know, make their own small mark and be remarkable in their own way. And as they become more remarkable, they're not going to be like, oh, I need to take that $15,000 course on how to build my email list, Right. They're going to be, oh, see, you know, working here is authentic and it's worked for me and I know the value of it. So I teach my students how to be discerning and, and, and that makes them, I mean, it's fabulous. This is, Winnie, can you run us through, like, what does it look like to go and learn at your studio. Like I'm, I'm actually like struggling for the right words here. I'm like, okay. Steve called that? No, please call what it a studio. Like? Except it, it definitely call it a studio. And you know, on our, on our tax forms, it's definitely a yoga studio, <laughs> but, um, it, it, you know, there's, there's three, I, I, I live in Pacifica and it's a few minutes South of San Francisco. So there's like a million yoga studios and there's three actually really beautiful ones in our town. So the difference between me and, and a, you know, two of my friends open up a hot yoga studio a, f- a few blocks away is that theirs is a studio you go to relax in and to take hot yoga classes. And mine is more of an online yoga, uh, not online, like a learning center. And an even mm-hmm. better way to think about it is that if you go to a yoga studio, it's like going to a party. And if you come to my class, it's like learning how to drive to the party. Ooh. You know, it's like learning how to get home. That's such a, I, yeah, and it's true. And I have so many great teachers from all over the Bay Area that come and take class. So if you come to the Elevate practice, the first thing you do if you're new, you have to come and speak. You have to come early so I could speak to you. Whether you're a teacher, what you know, whether you're a physical therapist like Dr. Laura, no matter who you are, because I, I want to look at you in the eye. And we've all taught classes or been in classes 
where the teacher comes to the front of the room and I used to, and I did it 30 years ago when I first started in my little Jack Lane and say, is there any injuries I need to know about? And like, yeah, you're sitting there on your mat thinking, oh yeah, I, I have breast cancer or, you know, I'm depressed. You're not going to raise your hand and talk to the teacher. Right. So number one, I need to look at the person and just find out a little bit about them. And also to let them know that it's not a yoga class with chanting or shavasana. It's a way to learn. And then I'll usually tell them that I treat the body or I think of the body as a house. And then I have an old 54-year-old house from the East Coast. And, the, and I find out where their house is from. <laughs> and that most of the class is about building a better house, about finding the hidden rooms, about fortifying the windows. But what makes our class a little bit different than a good functional exercise class, which I am all for, is that after we fortify our house, we turn on the lights. And we turn on the lights, not in like this, not in like a meditative way, um, but by using the brain to direct the body, by using the metaphor. And it's not, it's nothing esoteric. It's nothing like all new agey. It's very practical. I use the metaphor of a clock. So we turn on the lights and the body is strong. And then I say, okay, reach your arm to one o'clock, which is five degrees to the right. I mean, I'm sure you, we can even see that on a podcast. And it's not like one o'clock is so magical. It's that if you reach your arm to one o'clock, you're not thinking, oh my goodness, I need to come to yoga more. If you reach your mm-hmm. arm to one o'clock, you're not thinking, oh, the guy next to me is doing this so much better than me. You're focusing on one o'clock. We're giving the brain a job. So that long answer to your question is that when you come to, even if you came to class today or if you came on Sunday, you would get that experience of having some really good functional movement and then learning how to direct your brain to participate in the movement. Winnie, how does the the whiteboard, I love watching okay. your whiteboard stuff. How does that fit in? Okay. So on a practical level, I teach in a beautiful ballet studio. So I don't have a permanent whiteboard, which is why it's always these humongous post-its. Yes. instead of like a whiteboard, which I would love to have, but you know, it is a professional ballet studio. So the way the whiteboard fits in is that I usually put up the agenda of the class and it's not like in a CrossFit way, even though I think mm-hmm. that's worthy and valid. It's because I don't use this. I don't use the same terms traditional yoga uses. I have certain, um, I have things that I have something called martial arts warm up. I have things called shoulder circuits. I have things called hip fluency. And I don't stand there and, and speak like a lecturer, but I put it up so that as I refer to them throughout the, refer to these terms throughout the class, people will kind of connect to it. Because I believe that learning isn't linear. I mean, I could stand in front of a class and I've done that and speak for 20 minutes and then begin. But I would much rather put the terms up there and have people glance at the board on the way in and out and say, oh, yeah, she covered hip fluency today. Oh, yeah, she covered applying the clock today. Oh, she mentioned the word landmark, and she did it in this exercise, so now I know what it is. So that's one of the sheets of the whiteboard. And then sometimes I just put terms to know, especially if I know there's a newer student coming in, because, because I'm the boss lady and I can see who's coming in. And, I, and this is just to review what I mean by the clock, what I mean about landmarks and levers. And this is not a great mystery. You know, you don't need to come and take an intense training with me to learn what these things are. You follow me on Instagram, you come to my website, you DM me and I will explain what I mean by landmarks and levers. 
These are useful and usable terms that I use in my practice. And writing it down helps people see it. Writing it down makes helps people know that I have a plan. I have a plan to educate you as we're moving through our practice today. One of the words that I've seen you write down and you've done some posts about is barriers. Can you talk about that? I think that my handwriting is so bad that I meant boundaries. Okay. Right? Probably. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, can you talk about that then? Yes. Okay. Um, so late, so I talk about boundaries a lot because a lot of people, when they see a, you know, a person using a strap or a brick mm-hmm. for their yoga poses, they're like, oh, that makes it easier. I don't need that. I am hardcore. And what all of these things do is they create a boundary. So you know where you are and you know where you are not. And especially working with the bands. And when I when I mentioned the bands, there are these small elastic resistance band that I, that I teach with at the Elevate Practice, is that using the bands gives you a boundary. It gives you something to push against. And it also pushes against you. So number one, it shows you where you are. It shows you where you are not. And if anyone mm-hmm. has ever gone into a forward bend when they're feeling a little bit tight, you're not exactly sure what you're supposed to feel because you're so busy thinking, oh my goodness, I should do this more. So having the band around your ankles gives you a boundary. But here's the thing about boundaries. They're not permanent. We create them and choose them ourselves. And we can change them as needed. But you can't start changing your boundaries. And what I mean by that is let's even talk about your, your range of motion in a split. Or let's talk about mm-hmm. the way you deal with your, with your students or your teachers. We can't start changing our boundaries until we know where they are. Mm. Hmm. I like that. I want to. I want to keep with this concept. A little bit of a spinoff, but I want to keep with this concept because yeah. I've been wanting to to ask you about it. One of the things that we're seeing coming out of, I guess, the yoga world right now is people being like, "Hey, we need to be cognizant of our end ranges and stronger there." One of the things that I love about what you do is that you teach by saying, here's what I want you to do, instead of that whole, like, here's what I don't want you to yeah, do. It's a lot I, of fear mongering. It doesn't make sense to me. It's a lot of fear mongering. And, uh, yeah. You know, what can you, what's your, what are your thoughts on this and the, like overstretching and going deeper into poses? It's a question that I get from, you know, people that attend my course and like, how do you say to people when they just want to like push into stretches and things like that? And what, what are your yeah. thoughts here? Okay. So, oh, so much. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> yeah. So let's first, first of all, there's a lot of fear mongering out there and, you know, information conquers fear every single time. Um, Number one, let's first define what flexibility, mobility, and not unlike your PT, which I totally respect, but let's like on a day-to-day basis, I define this all the time in my classes because I get questions from teachers. So Flexibility is how is the distance you travel. I know that's not technical. I know you have a PhD. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. Bear with me. Okay. So flexibility is the distance you can travel. Mobility is the ability to get back. That's it. I like it. Right. So you think it. of it like that. Um, I love it. And you approach your poses and your practices and your stretches in a functional way. You're allowed to stretch, but you also want to return home. Now. In the days of Instagram and all of these videos online, and, it, you know, it, everything is very general and nothing is specific. And, you know, I have this yeah. surfer guy and he's awesome and he's 60 years old and he comes to class and he's super crazy tight. 
So, you know, he doesn't need to worry about overstretching mm-hmm. in my class. And he doesn't. He need, you know, he's just happy to stretch and feel a little bit better. But then you have a very flexible woman who's been going to yoga for, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And the younger teacher has been, oh, fabulous pose, really go deeper into pigeon or, you know, a back bend. And she can do that, but she can't get out of it with control. We, we need to control those end ranges. But I think that there's a lot to be said about how it is taught. And is it taught from a place of fear mongering? Like, oh no, you can't take this class because it's dangerous. Nothing is dangerous. You just got to have the information about how it's useful and usable for you. There's a lot of poses that are done that I don't like. There's a lot of things that I don't teach. Like I don't teach, I don't teach arm balances, you know, because there are better people mm-hmm. to teach arm balances. But I do teach splits and I do teach pancakes because I think they help, they make your body feel better. But there's a way mm-hmm. to teach it so that you own it. And when I say own it, that means you can go into it and go out of it. A lot of functional and progressive yoga teachers, they use the terms, and they're useful and usable terms, of passive and active range of motion. And I, I don't like the word passive because it means it kind of happens, you know, when you're being lazy. A lot of people, mm-hmm. and I think you can speak to your, your who's your fabulous contortion friend, Cirque Physio? Dr. Jen Crane. Cirque oh Physio. my goodness, I love yeah. her. Okay, so right. people work very hard to get that. I know that I did. So yes. there's nothing, the word passive, I mean, it's true, it's a, it's a medical, it's a technical term, but mm-hmm. there's nothing mm-hmm. passive about it. So mm-hmm. people go into that and they're like, oh, that's scary, that's scary. Actually, no, as long as you have some active range of motion. And the truth is, and this is coming from someone that has both, not in like a a Jen Crane type of way, but worked really hard for both, is that it doesn't have to be equal. You can have a bigger passive range of motion. And most people that, you know, stretch a lot do than active range of motion. And I might, you know, get a lot of, you know, hate mail on this. It doesn't have to be equal. What we're trying to do in our classes, depending on what the goal is, is decrease the discrepancy. So if I have, if there is, you know, I have this, this high school, someone's son and he, he plays, he plays football and he comes to class and his main interest isn't going into a split. His main interest is, is opening up his shoulders and feeling better and calming down because heck, the the kid is 17 years old, right? So I'm, we're not going to work on increasing super passive range of motion for him. It's not needed for what he wants to do for his life. But you, you want to work on your split. So it's all right. If you're not, I mean, again, I don't need to prescribe to you. You're the PhD, but like, it's all right. If you're not doing crazy super squats right now, because your goal this year is to do your split because you're thinking long-term and that's why everyone's different. And that's why this whole, which one's better than the other, you got to think for yourself and you got to think about who your students are and, and, and what is important to you. And here's a great expression that I go through all, that I use all the time. What is needed now? What is needed now for the humans in front of you? I'm like writing down. Yeah. And that's why, and you can ask Laura about this and like my local crew, they're all going to listen to this because they listen to all the podcasts I'm on and they find out all these crazy things about me. Like I can really talk even faster is that that's why I introduced the bands like band work. I've been working with for, for over a decade, 
But that's why I introduced the band, band work into my classes now. Because my local crew, they all know how to cook. Even if you visit me once in a while, we already know how to cook. And when you know how to cook, you add in a new ingredient, it doesn't phase you. You don't overuse the ingredient. You don't start like putting that sriracha on everything because you, seriously, because you already know how to cook. And if you know how to cook, when you introduce something new, like the bands into our local classes, it's fun, it's not scary, and it's not overdone, you know? Same thing, like what is needed now? What is it enough for your for your practice? And all and all this information, you know what it does? Whether you are the professionals listening to your podcast right now or the serious students that take their practice so seriously, they laugh a lot with me, is what is is knowing what is needed now and taking the appropriate steps to get what you need. Do people take notes in your class, Winnie? Ah, okay. And how do you address this? Because I mean, as me, like, I'm like, I would want to be learning. And like the traditional way I've learned is like you write stuff down. Yeah. And I, I try to like, when I teach, I'm kind of like, I just, you know, follow along here and just absorb what sticks. The poem, How do you manage that? All right. So in a workshop, people, and I don't travel that much, but when I do, you know, people come with a notebook and I say, put it down, take a picture of the whiteboard and observe, observe, you know, just like kind of listen. If you really want to write something down, it's absolutely fine. But what usually happens, especially for the teachers that come visit me, is they stay after class, they take a picture of whatever I wrote down, and then they take it home with them. And I I really think that that's the way you learn. Because I know for myself is when I've taken notes, like I took notes, like in graduate school, I didn't even look at them. I just remember what's important. And then like, you know, and people are welcome, my, you know, to ask questions. And you know what I, and also this is just a something good for your peeps that teach workshops. Instead of asking after the end of a class, does anyone have any questions? This is how you change it. You say, what questions do you have? And that mm-hmm. one word changes everything. Instead of, oh, does anyone have any questions? What questions do you have? And then you get the specific questions. And so then you sit, so back to your original question. So if someone really wants to take notes, they can. And that usually happens with visitors. And we get visitors from all over that come for a couple of classes. But I usually suggest just pay attention. Just pay attention and see what's going on in your body. And again, it comes down to, you know, if you do, if you show up, like, like even the non-local friends, like come for five classes over the next six months, just like water going over a rock. You know, you do it enough, it'll start to resonate. Because I don't want anyone to go and take what I say and repeat it. Because that would be ridiculous. Because they would talk so fast, you know, with a New York accent. <laughs> I want people to come and make it their own. I got two fantastic people. They're hot yoga teachers. They own a little yoga studio, you know, about a mile away. And they don't teach anything like I teach. But, they, you know, we're such good friends. I've taught at their studio. They come they come when they can because their studio is so successful and busy. And they take it and they put it into their little computers because they've been teaching so long. And then they go and they teach their hot yoga class and their yin class. And it's about making it your own. So that's what I would suggest. So good, Winnie. It's, this is something I've been – really sitting with for the past, I don't even know, yeah. few weeks, just really thinking about 
watching how people are taking in taking in information Ooh, okay. and yeah. i don't really read that much like i i'm getting more into audiobooks but one of the things that i've always done is i just listen to like feel the book and mm -hmm. i feel like when i write stuff or when i teach stuff i'm i'm concerned that people are listening yeah. to memorize not to just hear it and yeah you know trying to it really resonated with me when you were talking about the, the capital like capitalization and, and that you guys listening i started doing captions because winnie said it would make me a better teacher 100 percent. yeah that is why i started doing it and i was like this is what it's all about so it's just, it's so great uh, and informative just to hear your approach to it and, and why you yeah. do it and how you do it and, and what think, you're encouraging. I think, you know, there's so much information out there. And I got to say, if it wasn't for all the information out there, I would not have learned what I have learned. And I've, you know, I've learned so much from just tech, you know, technology. We have access to things that we never had access before, you know, but there is so much information out there is that everyone's kind of, no one's going deep and it's hard to go deep. There's so much information out there, but the information is not useful unless you integrate it and, and make it your own. And I'm going to just give an example of one of your videos, like of you teaching an exercise and you have some very useful and usable um, videos on Instagram that you could actually learn how to do something on, you know, um, you might not learn the latest fashion, you know, which someone else's videos that they're selling leggings, but really useful and usable videos. So let's <laughs> you watch your video and you're like, oh man, she really got something good. And then the person goes to the next video. Well, what I suggest is to put down your phone and to try it because the information that you're offering, yeah. it's awesome, but it's, it'll be most useful if you integrate it and you've got to take the time to integrate it. You got to slow down and stop trying to learn everything at once and just focus on, Oh, I'm going to try that exercise. And I, you know, you know, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I'm bookmarking this and that, and I think I'll get back mm -hmm. to that. But then you really never integrate it. And information yeah. is not useful unless it's integrated. Uh, Winnie, what has your Instagram experience been like thus far i mean you said before you, you use it and i love it basically for fun you enjoy yeah. doing this it refines your teaching yeah like, i mean what has your experience been like why are you on there well the reason why i got on there is that i wanted to stay in touch with the other teachers that i've taught over the years the ones that aren't mm -hmm. local and a lot of these teachers are katona yoga teachers and i will definitely um they'll definitely be listening to this podcast because i i teach continuing education for Katona yoga teachers. So you learn with Naveen Mishan, who is the creator of Katona yoga, and then you can come and study with me. And I wanted my information to be available to them. Mm -hmm. And they're all over the world, mm -hmm. Germany, England, Costa Rica, they're all over. So that was okay. my first thing. Okay. And then I realized my students were on it too. Not all of them, but some of them. <laughs> and because I didn't need to cater to everybody, I just was myself because like, in other words, I'm not trying to teach a downward facing dog for a million people. I'm not even trying to teach a downward facing dog for every, for, for anyone. So I don't feel the pressure of having to prove myself. And I also don't feel the pressure of being a jack of all trades and master of, of none. I I'm a specialist and I teach my material and I'm lucky in a way because I'm 
I don't have to go and audition for a yoga studio and teach their vinyasa. So I never had the pressure of, oh my goodness, um, I have to get some instructional videos about how to do a downward facing dog or a back bit. And so because mm-hmm. I, because, and it's not like I don't care. Of course I care. I love meeting people. So my Instagram experience so far has been great because I get DMs from people all over the world. And I also, my local crew that's on Instagram, it's like a little booster shot to whatever we've been talking about or working on in class. And I have found that just by knowing that other teachers that I, that I've taught before are, are looking at my, are looking at it, it makes me want to produce more. Oh, and, and then you, like, the, like finding you was fantastic. So I kind of saw you on and off for years. I was like, this, this, this girl is awesome. But, you know, CrossFit and working out, you know, I, yeah. I already, like, been there. But the reason why I came exactly. back to you was that Carrie took a workshop with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. she's like, so I've known her. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I knew her when I had boyfriends. So you know I've known her a long time. Okay. so um, That's the best life. <laughs> so, and she was she was my teacher and I remember being so, like so excited to, to come and take a lesson with her. And, you know, we kind of traveled on the same paths and they're like, Oh yeah, I remember really useful and usable stuff. And then like you're Dr. Laura's buddy and what you're doing is so good and so authentic. And the best thing that you ever said was curate your feed. So what happened when I first got on, I decided I needed to follow everyone that I've known. Cause I know a lot of the yoga teachers, but I would just get kind of sad. I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this person. I mean, they're my friend. I don't want to offend them, but they don't care if I'm not looking at them. And then you, you said, curate your feed. And I thought, oh, Uh-oh. you know, I can still be supportive of that teacher that I trained that now is, you know, but I don't need to see her material every day, but, or, or whatever, or whoever, whatever it was. And then I just want to get the information out there. And I just... I just have some really useful and usable material that I think can be helpful, not just to yoga teachers, but to trainers, heck, to any serious student that can't get to class. And the best part is hearing from these people all over the world. Man, this is the... And finding you this is great. So, you know. Dude, this is... I am sitting here like probably for the first time ever on a podcast, just like overwhelmed and overcome with all the good emotion. Like when you find someone that really gets you and sees you and is saying all the things and you're just like, I, and I I am 100% just, I don't even want to say resisting. Like typically what I do is like, I'm going to recap the podcast and uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, do exactly what you were just been talking about, which is the you know, the power of the pause and yep. letting the listener take from it what what they want. What I want to do actually right now is a, I'm going to riff. I've never done, done this before, but I love that you have this the white the it's not called a whiteboard poster board. Yeah, I mean I do call the it giant the post-its. Yeah, <laughs> that that you have and you put words on there. I think that's huge. And so far, the words that have jumped out at me. If I was going to put this up and create this for this podcast, obviously this is being done, you know, after the fact, but the things that, that, that really stand out to me are, if I was going to make words, would be connection, authenticity, mm-hmm. curating, mm-hmm. usable. Yes. What words would you add? Useful. 
What is needed now? You have to be the title. Remarkable. And, you know, and also know that, and this is for the teachers out there, is that you cannot be everything to everyone. But you can be remarkable to someone. And teach what works for you. And one of the things I say a lot to anyone that reaches out to me and they thank me just for pointing out some truth, you know, that we just need to remind each other is that we're all here to teach each other. Really. I mean, conversations with Dr. Laura after class are just so illuminating for me, right? We're all here to teach each other and to share what we figured out so far. I think the challenge comes for all of us as teachers is how do we teach what works in a way that works? And I know I'm riffing, but I put that up on your, on your imaginary whiteboard. How do we teach what works in a way that works? And you and I have had this discussion in DM and just in comments is that everyone has stuff that works for them. And whether that is PT or training, or, you know, if you're a nutritionist or massage therapist or, or my material, like I know my material works, right? I, but how mm-hmm, can I teach mm-hmm. it so that it works for the, 50-year-old surfer coming to visit me? How can I teach it so it works for the busy mom that gets to class every other Sunday because every other Sunday she's taking her kids to soccer? So how can I teach it in a way that she hears it, that it's useful and usable? So again, how to teach, how do you teach what works in a way that works? And that is not a formula. That is not like, okay, I need to go and take and get my um PhD in educational theory, because it really mm-hmm. depends on the material that you're teaching. So if, like, for instance, if you're teaching how to assess something, assess someone, excuse me, in your expertise, it's heck of a lot different than teaching someone how to build their Instagram following. You're going to use the, yeah. because of what you, the material you're teaching. And yes. so, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's a real cop out often to say it depends, but how mm-hmm. to teach mm-hmm. what works for you in a way that works depends on you. That's a lot of words for your imaginary whiteboard, right? Listen, I took the big ones. They're going okay, up. Good. They're already written. Yeah. It's fine. I got I got them. We're we're both from the East Coast. I live in New York, so I love that you speak so quickly and you have all these ideas and they keep coming because that's I am here for that. Moving here and having people be a little bit slower with things, I was like, can we speed it up? Like, I want to learn. I want to hear more things. Like, so thank you. Sure. I appreciate that. I think I think that's why that's I good. like making my little videos. And I and I you know. I'm supposed to be working on my next book, but I keep I keep making all these videos, right? Because I have a minute, right? I like having that minute. Mm-hmm. And I like thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, my like I have this wonderful friend. Uh, like it's an Instagram friend. I've never met her, but her name is Beth and she's going to totally listen and she lives in the UK. And I'm like, okay, Beth is going to listen to this and I really want her to get yeah. this for her practice. So I'm not going to speak about, you know, what I had for breakfast or whatever it else people talk about in their videos. So how can I be concise? How can I really get my one point across? And that's a hard thing. And, you know, Instagram and making a one-minute video is very good for that. And it's very good for practicing teaching what works in a way that works in a small, in a small way. It's a good way to practice. You just explained why it is so hard for me to write titles. Yes. That's the hardest thing of anything I do. Because you're like picking it apart and it's like, what is useful and needed right now? Yes. 
that's hard to it's hard to pick. Yeah, but also like, you can make a title that's super long. Yeah, but also like write your titles last. Yes. Um, and 100%. then it doesn't have to be you know you know what you would learn in journalism school. You know, it doesn't have to be you know the gist of what you're saying. It could be one word. It doesn't. So the rules have changed, and it's and it's great. There's more freedom than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And so even you know, like for instance, I wrote two fitness books years ago, like like long long time ago. And this next book that I'm writing, like all of the text is different because I can change the text. And the way I like to write my a lot of copy on my website is I put it in the center because that's just what I want to do, and it's my website. I could do whatever I want, but. Um, <laughs> It has a different effect. And your titles, yes. like don't don't stress too much, too much because you're producing so many things. And I think that's also, it's both a blessing and a curse of of the way that we produce content is if you make a mistake, so what? If it's not perfect, so what? You can revitalize it, you know, in a month and change it to something else. But experiment. See what resonates. And I think anyone that has been, even me watching you first for a little bit a while back and now watching you it's like you see we're all learning as we go and what we need to do as teachers and human beings is document that we're learning as we go all of us yes you know i remember in you know when we took our little girl to the schoolyard in kindergarten and like oh my goodness i have no idea what i'm doing you know and everyone looks like they totally know what they're doing and they're baking cookies and they're in the pta and they get they got everything and i'm and i say to my wife oh my goodness you know, they, they were like 30 years old and, and, and they know how to do this parenting thing. And she says to me, no, they don't. They just pretend better than you do. We're all learning as we do. And I think what is so authentic about both of us is that we're documenting that we're learning as we go. And saying that we're learning as we go does not negate how much experience we have in our chosen fields. But we're still figuring out how to share it in a way that works for the people that we want to reach. I mean, even Seth Godin, who I know you're a fan of, and he's been my, he doesn't know this, but he's been my mentor for 20 years. Um, I've seen him evolve, right? I've seen him evolve and figure out things and make mistakes and admit to them. So, you know, our role models are all human and it's great to kind of know in our hearts, we're all figuring this out as we go. Document it. Yep. Document it. Not all of it. You don't need to document, you know, exactly. You know that you had indigestion while you're making the video. I mean, some people are into that, but you document. Like, hey, I found these captions. Uh, now, hey, I found that I don't need them all the time. <laughs> I had indigestion. Yeah, Winnie, I'm, I'm looking at the time and just being mindful of, of the listeners. Okay, if people want to see what you're documenting. If they want to learn from you, how can they do that? Well, the best way is to sign up for my newsletter, which basically mm-hmm. my non-studio newsletter just shows you the like what I'm thinking about, like my favorite video of the week or my favorite article of the week, and that's on my website, winnielingovic.com. And then if that's too much of a commitment, just follow me on Instagram. But I do have, I mean, I didn't even cover this, but I also, besides my my beautiful little online learning center and my in-person online learning center, is that I just, I just like offering stuff as I go. 
So come follow me on Instagram and you'll find out stuff about me or come to my website and just check out. We have tons of videos there and we have really some good tutorials there as well. Winnie, what's your Instagram handle? Winnie Lingovic, because, you know, what else could I be? I got to be myself. <laughs> she keeps it simple. That is W-I-N-I-L-I-N-G-U-V-I-C. Yes. Winnie Lingovic. Well, that will be website. in the show notes. Yeah. There well, you go. I love us. it, the continuous branding. Come visit us. Where, where are you? We are in beautiful, magical town of Pacifica, which is 10 minutes south of San Francisco. Easy and amazing. One more thing, Winnie, before I let you go, and I am implementing what you've already told me, and I'm going to change my words, and I'm not going to ask if you. I'm going to say, oh, what final words do you have to share with the people? I think I'd like to um, talk about you, because I watched a video this morning about your mafia and you mm -hmm. had this video of all these people talking about your community of, you know, this online community of, of dope humans that you've created. And I watched that pretty early this morning because I, I'm really an early riser and I already pr finished practicing was going through my emails. And then I turned off my computer and I went to the Elevate practice. And as I hear people come in and speak to my assistant, I hear the kind of community that your people were talking about on video. And, you know, building that kind of community doesn't, doesn't happen by accident, but it also doesn't happen by saying, I'm going to build a community. It happens by telling the truth and speaking to the people that want to hear your truth and hearing them back. And what I'm saying is, you know, I saw this beautiful, I mean, it was amazing watching your, your short video about your mafia, but it was just as amazing going to my little, you know, Mm -hmm. learning center and hearing my, the people that come and, and, you know, grant me with their time that the communities get built and they do get built with intention, but they don't get built by forcing the issue. They get built by mm -hmm. telling the truth and showing up and being pretty, um, picky pants that you're going to do good stuff in a way that works well, that you're going to teach the stuff that works in a way that works. And you're going to take the time to do that. So that is, you know, what I have to say. And that might need to be slowed down in the podcast because I tend to speak really fast. Winnie, thank you. This is, uh, it just feels good. Yeah. That's like all I can say yeah. about it. It just feels Good. Yeah, it's like the beauty of the podcast. You guys can go back and listen to it. I know I'm going to go back and listen to it. It's there. It doesn't go away. It's there forever. But just going to take a moment and just relish in the feeling because this, it just feels good, Winnie. So thank you. Thank you. Truly, truly, truly. Thank you so much. Now go have a snack because I have a feeling you've been up all morning. <laughs> it has been a long morning. This is uh, so good. Thank you. Thank you. You guys listening. Thank you. I know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And man, I'm, I'm sitting here and this is like, just thank you. I'm, I'm all around grateful. Winnie, just one more time. Thank you. And uh, for above all else, thank you for the pauses. That yeah. is. We're learning as we go. the power. Man, yeah, there's magic you. in the pauses. There's magic yes. in the waiting there's magic in not necessarily what you put in 
to your practice and your day, but there's very often magic in what you take out. There's beauty in the editing. Thank you so much. You are so, so welcome. Thank you guys all around. I'm not going to ask for likes, shares, subscriptions, or anything like that. If you like this episode, if it resonated with you, I'm going to ask that you take a moment to pause and then take a moment to implement. Until next time, friends, Winnie and Maestro, 